Welcome to Sumaics. My name is Kelvin Moretti. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing money and specifically basics of investments in money markets, bonds, and everything in between. Hope to have you till the end. Karibuni sana. I'm joined by a very uh, knowledgeable panel. I'll let them introduce themselves. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. My name is Faith. Kwamboka. I'm a portfolio manager in one of the largest asset management companies in Kenya. Is it one of the largest or the largest? The largest. Ah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Also, thank you for inviting me. My name is Billy Ouko. I'm an audit associate uh, in one of the big four accounting firms in, in Kenya. <laughs> These people are so humble. Uh, Billy is an economist and a Jifanya Pasji accountant. Anyway, yeah, so today, uh, as I've mentioned, tutakuwa tunaongelea about um, investments. Kamboka, so they, I saw something that was saying that uh, storing or saving your money in your account, you're losing that money. What does that mean? When you put your money in a savings account where you're earning... 0% or even uh 2%. Basically, if you're earning anything less than inflation, uh inflation uh this last month in August was 6.5 or 6.6 or 6.6%. So if you're earning anything less than 6.6%, you're basically losing money. It means um if you are able to buy bread for 50 shillings this year, Next year, so if your money is giving you 0%, so next year you still have the 50 shillings, but then you will not be able to buy bread because bread next year will be worth 50 shillings times 1.06. So so essentially one should be able to put their money somewhere at least in you know, a 10% and above. Yeah, so first of all, you want to put your money where you're able to store value or at least maintain the value that you have mm-hmm. and then earn some return that is above inflation. Ah, okay. And... and, and uh, one of the most interesting things I learned is that the millennials, we are very bad at saving. Um, and uh, we are, even as a country, 5% of Kenyans have savings that can be above 100,000 or something like something in those lines. So what, what do you think is a problem? I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't be shocked if those numbers are right. Um, I've seen studies that show 90% of Kenyans live above their means. Um, and that is so of course if you're living above your means it means you don't have or you're not saving anything <laughs> you're borrowing to live um, and that's concerning uh, I've seen people who borrow to to do different things um, essentially just basically living above your means um, so we don't have a saving culture and that's a problem uh, because you're essentially think you're you're essentially assuming that you'll be able to work for the rest of your life and be able to afford the kind of lifestyle that you're living now. Um, And the reality is that's not true. You might not be able to work for the rest of your life. Um, And if you're always borrowing to finance your living, then there's a big problem. How how big of a problem are we talking about from a country's point of view? No, I would say a generational point of view. The consequence that... um, might come out of this is we'll see we'll have a lot of old people because we're growing you know um we'll have a lot of old people having to work into their old age so you won't have the benefit of retiring at a young age you won't even have the benefit of retiring at 65 if you're not saving you might find yourself in a situation where you have to work for um 
for long and then also you'll find people who then depend on their children or and that's a problem um because then that means that my child has to work to uh finance their uh living and they also have to finance me and um that's a a, a big problem is it part of the reason why um e history in itangwa the black tax uh, we were discussing with with Billy a while ago uh vile uh it's usually uh as an african uh i don't know if it's, a, it's an african thing but there you have to budget some money to take care of your blackness <laughs> <laughs> like there are all these yeah <laughs> not they are called family but i'm just saying so so is is that is that uh, billy uh, dependence ratio it's what uh, faith has mentioned is uh, the ratio of uh, income earners to non income earners mm-hmm. at least in a family in a family unit setting mm-hmm. uh, that is you know you'd find that Okay, the dependency ratio in Kenya has been going down thanks to so, to the economic uh, growth we've been experiencing over the last decade or two. However, given that there is poor saving and investment uh, culture, uh, especially among among the huge portion of the population, you find that uh, the the family the family unit will have uh, one breadwinner supporting a lot of people. And as time goes by, you know, as people move out of the working the working age that is 18 to 65 mm-hmm. uh, that is as people retire and then we have kids also mm-hmm. so you have kids on one end mm-hmm. and parents on the other end mm-hmm. the burden on the people between 18 to 25 who are actually working mm-hmm. you know when you factor in the employment rates in Kenya mm-hmm. or the unemployment rates in Kenya that ratio is bound to grow and and maybe let me tell you <clears throat> what that would mean for our economy so of course if the dependency ratio is high it means i'm spending a lot of my money on people um on expenditure that and i could have been spending this money on investments or something that would have had um a bigger inf- effect on the economy and the growth of the economy so i could have been saving this and maybe using this money for a different purpose or a business or whatever so if you have a high dependency ratio it means a lot of your money is going into recurrent expenditure you're left with very little to put into investments and that would allow the invest the, the economy to grow so for on a, from a country perspective having a high dependency ratio then really cripples um how the economy can grow i'd also like to mention that i don't know our saving problem is partly an income problem mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. our per capita income ranges between 100,000 to 100, 140,000 per annum that is the average kenyan makes 12,000 a month huh? I mean 12,000 a month is not much. <laughs> yeah, it's just will su- sustain their consumption needs but not investment and saving needs. Yeah. Yes, <clears throat> but now you see at the end of the day um I think when it comes to running a country uh whether you have little income or not the 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 objective of any nation or yeah essentially when you're trying to lift people from poverty is 
increasing your investments, increasing in, increasing um, uh, opportunities or, or creating capacity for people to be able to invest. And 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 it's what ha- has happened in China. Um, China, uh, by and large, is is, is it, it's the second biggest economy in the world in terms of their GDP. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's classified as a developing. Uh, you said it was developing. What was it called? Emerging economy. Mm. So um, and 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 so. What that means is that yes, people, their incomes have not gotten to the level of Europe and in, in the America, in the Americas, but, um, there is an increasing middle, middle, uh, what is it, middle class. Um, and, and it's all thanks to aggressive investment, private and public. And, and so even with a small income, as you're saying, Billy, I, I think we need, um, it's very, very important that investments and capacity for investment be at the center, uh, you know, of, 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 you know, the focus of, of, of whoever is in leadership. And that's why I tell people, I think Uhuru has done a very good job because <laughs> <laughs> this always gets stones thrown at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate what Billy has said. Um, the fact that people are not making a lot of money in our country. Um, but maybe the focus of this discussion could be the people who can actually uh exactly and 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 by the way we're not saying that you can get away with it if um we're not saying that you have to earn a certain amount of money for you to put aside some money for investment or to secure your future uh, but we're also we want to be in touch with the reality. The reality is there are many people who have a lot of dependence. So we're just saying, well, it's upon you. Uh, it's within your discretion to say, I could spend what I am earning um, up to this much and try as much. I, I think what we want to do is we want to encourage people to save as much as they can without necessarily pointing a finger at you if you're not saving because we are we understand um, that people are really struggling. So now what do you do? Uh, so Faith Kambaka, what do you do? Uh, at, at I am an, this investment, mm-hmm. this biggest investment firm in, in Kenya. I, I don't think we're the biggest investment firm. Okay. We're <laughs> the largest asset management firm. Okay. So, okay, fine. What um, do you do? Yeah. So mm. I am an investment professional. My role is to grow people's money. Um, so, in my current capacity, the bulk of our assets are pension assets. So if you are employed, your employer will give you uh, pension benefits where they contribute a certain amount every month. And so that man- money goes into an account. And so it's my responsibility to invest that money so that by the time you're retiring, you get a good amount of payout. So you're able to sustain your current uh, living standards. Yeah. Mm. Well, not entirely, because you can't entirely depend on your pension. But basically, the whole point is we, we, we're managing these funds to make sure that we're, it's always growing so that by the time you're retiring, you get a, a good payout. Yeah, what is your portfolio allocation? That's proprietary info. <laughs> no, 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 but, <laughs> but I could tell speaking, you the, yeah. the universe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. we primarily deal with capital assets and property. So that is to say that I will not come to you and give you advice on how you can buy an, a car and put it on Uber. Mm-hmm. Or I would tell you how you can buy cows and <laughs> uh, then you'll get uh, uh, milk or uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so only we, we deal with capital assets um, and then we also deal with um, property. So... Within uh, the invest our, our investment universe, or at least in our country, we have fixed income assets, 
those are uh, treasury bonds issued by the government, treasury bills issued by the government. We have corporate bonds issued by different companies. And then you also have corporate papers, which is an equivalent of a treasury bill. So the difference between a bond and a bill is just the tenor. Bills are less than a year, then bonds are longer than a year. Um, then, So that's our fixed income assets. Then we have equities or stocks. Those are uh, corporates listed on the Nairobi Securities Exchange, Safaricom, EABL, Equity, ETC. Um, and then we have, well, within fixed income, you also have deposits, um, which you can place in banks. Um, and then we have another class of assets called alternatives. So under alternatives, different things can fall into that. You can have property, you can have private equity, you can have venture capital, you can have cryptocurrency, FX trading, etc. etc. Mm, okay, that is uh, that is very interesting because we had uh, we had a discussion with uh, some friend, some classmates of mine concerning uh, investment in government bonds. Huh? How good an opportunity is it and, and what are the basics of getting into it and what are the return, what the returns look like? I feel like we've skipped a, a step. Mm -hmm. Um, we're here because I believe many people don't have a lot of information on how to make the most out of their money. So I have, so I can't tell you the number of oh. friends I have mm -hmm. who keep their money in a savings account. Mm -hmm. So, I guess what I'm trying to say, we're basically here to encourage people to remove money from savings, savings account, account. Okay. and put it in higher yielding assets ah, um, that okay. would give you a better return uh -huh. and for the same uh, amount of risk that you're willing to take. So you mentioned earlier that, uh, and, and also Kevin has also alluded to it, the fact that when you're storing money in your account, um, in your account, you're losing that money. So w how, what would you advise someone? Like what kind of uh, opportunities exist that someone might be able to, you know, now stop losing this money and at least get it at inflation or at least uh, investment that gives them in inflationary returns. And at the same time, also, if you can be able to create to the next level. I'd first like to say that information is power. And I find that most of the time, the reason why people have a lot of their money in savings accounts is because either they're, they just, maybe they think investments is too complicated, um, or they're lazy, or they just want to pack money somewhere and then invest it in something else. But the reality is that in the meantime, time you're losing value um so information is key that's number one and then number two it's also very important for you to uh to be clear on your objectives and on your ability or on your risk tolerance mm -hmm. so it's very important for you to be clear on your objectives and your risk tolerance objectives meaning why what do you want to achieve um do you want to save money for a certain thing um or do you want to save money for retirement or do you just simply want to make uh, a good return over a short period etc you just you need to be very clear on what your objective is and then you also need to be very clear on what your risk tolerance is risk tolerance meaning how much of this money can you lose how much can you afford to lose i know people who have um and, and that could be a function of many things it could be a function of how much money you have in your portfolio at the time of investment so if you have a lot of money it means that there is a higher uh you have a higher ability to take risk on a portion of that money but if you only have ten thousand uh and maybe this ten thousand is for your wedding the reality is you might not afford to take risk with that ten thousand so you have to be clear on your 
uh, on your objectives, objectives and, and you also have to be clear on the risk that you're willing to take on the money. But I also want to say that many people would equate uh, a risk-less investment to savings in a bank account. Um, but I want to say that sometimes you could be exposing yourself to... Like, it's possible for you to get the same amount of risk and still get a higher return, oh, you know? Mm. So instead of put, if you're very risk averse and you just want a bank account, a money market investment can give you the same kind of risk, but give you a higher return. When, when you talk about money market investment, kindly uh, break it down a bit for the average person. Let me start with unit trust. Unit trust is basically pooling funds together. So Moretti, you have 10,000 Bob, Kabingu, you have 20, and Billy, you have 30, and we bring it together so that we are able to get a higher return. If you go to the bank with 100,000, the best rate they could possibly give you right now would be 2% or 1% return per year. But if we go to the bank with 100 million, they can give me 10% return. So you, uh, a Unitrust investment is basically pulling funds from different people, putting it together so that you have a large pool of money and with that large pool of money, you're able to make different investments and ultimately give a higher return uh, compared to someone investing as an individual. Ah, so so these unit trusts, they are so it's essentially what you guys are doing, right? Part of what we're doing, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so the unit trust can then. Uh, be invested in different ways. You could have a unit trust that primarily focuses on fixed income assets. You could have a unit trust that primarily focuses on equities. You could have a unit trust that primarily focus that is balanced, that has both fixed income and equities. So just depending on your risk appetite, then if you're risk averse and you want to uh, protect your principal investment and then get a decent return, then you can put your money in a fixed income unit trust. If you are, if you are willing to take on more risk, you can put it in a uh, in an equity unit trust. If you are more balanced, you can put it in a balanced unit trust. So within unit trust, you can have a different um, investment uh, objective. So depending on the asset classes but the one that is easiest uh, or the one that has most investors favor would be a money market uh, unit trust ah, so, okay. Mm -hmm. okay before you proceed on to the money market uh money market fund what is the average return on unit trust in the kenyan market um so right now it would be about between nine and ten mm, per year and, and by the way, that's really good. Most people, when you hear 10%, you would think that's very bad return. But the reality is, in developed countries, you have bonds uh, uh, yielding 2%. So in Even this, negative interest in the US. <laughs> but that wouldn't be an investment. I would encourage anyone to. <laughs> but, uh, so my question... Um, uh, so, would, mm -hmm. anyway, so I want to say that 10% is really decent. decent return. Because remember, we're not talking about an investment in an Uber or a cow or, or this other business um, that require a lot of your time. The traditional we're talking about lazy money, investing. Yeah, just putting there. money somewhere yeah. and it earning you a 10% return. So 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 now let's begin before we, you break down the different kinds of unit trusts. So you've mentioned um you've mentioned I think three types of of investment 
uh, with a unit trust uh so I want us to begin from first of all for someone who does not know what unit unit trusts are you've explained what uh, is the gist of them so where do I find this zinakwanga kinona zinauza paduka naenda na chukua moja basi pale river road zinakwanga river road unaambia nipatieni ni trust so like where do I find them what are they um And, and, and if I wanted to invest in a, in a in a unit trust, where do I begin? Okay, I would say simple Google search and search uh, unit trusts in Kenya. You get a list. Uh, once you get a list, you can reach out to any one of them that is of interest. And and you know the process of setting up is very simple. Um, and I I think I I really encourage people to go the unit trust way because um, it's you're essentially outsourcing investment services. So you'll get someone who sits um, and their day to day job is managing investments. So they they have the professional know how and that basically managing your money for you you're outsourcing that in i i am a big fan of outsourcing if i want to build a house i'm not going to try build it myself i'll get an engineer and an architect and you must whoever. be very rich yeah no, money is all i have <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah so uh, just uh, i'm a big uh, proponent of outsourcing if you do not have the time to look at investments every day if you don't have the time to follow markets every day you're better off putting your money somewhere where you know there's an investment manager who is a professional who's going to do that for me So a simple Google search will show you how many like the, the available investments um and then it's a simple setting up your account is as simple as setting up your bank account the way you went to a banking hall and you opened an account it's that it's that simple as well nowadays in fact you do it online you know uh, a lot of that work is done online, uh, online. yeah uh, so can you name uh, a few a few reputable firms that are offering unit trust Yeah because most Kenyans are are afraid of being scammed. Yeah. Um so it's also very important to make sure you're going with a reputable firm, people who have a track record um and people who are giving you reasonable returns. When when I talk about a track record, uh, you want to make sure that these guys have done this for a, a, a satisfactory period uh, for a, 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 a long period yeah. as efficiently. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So if someone has started and has done this for two years, well, it's all relative. It's all relative. So if there's someone who's done it for 10 years, I'd have preference for the person who's done it for 10 years relative to someone who's done it for one year. So it's, it's relative. So you want to go for someone who has track record. You can look at um, the funds that they've managed and the returns that they've been giving to their clients. So track record is very important. Um, and then number two, you also want someone who has a strong balance sheet as their back. Or, or the support or the sponsor of the unit trust or whatever. So if you're going for, because that's I think the thing that differentiates. Because if I wake up today and decide I want to run a unit trust, I'll manage your funds, but I could also lose it, right? Mm, yeah. And if I lose it, you mm, would, a, you will. There's no way you can take me. I don't have a lot of money. But if I go with a big institution, 
that has a strong balance sheet, if they lose my investment, chances are I might be able to get some of that back because they already, they are a big company and they have assets themselves. So you want to go for someone who has a track record and you want to go for someone who has a strong balance sheet. And you also want to go for someone who has a reasonable return. If the market is giving you between 9 to 10% and then someone else promises you 18%, you question uh, yeah mm. you you question what are they investing in mm. um, <laughs> and even if they tell you what they're investing in uh, you sleep drugs. with one eye open mm. uh, because it's too big a differential if everyone else is giving you a maximum of 10% and this guy is giving you 18% then that's a problem so you want to make sure the, I, I would say those three things are very important someone who has a track record uh, someone who has a strong balance sheet and someone who's giving you Attractive yet mm. reasonable mm. returns. Okay. Yeah. So you did not answer the question. I, th- I see you trying to be very political about <laughs> it. So, it would, so when you talk about uh, reputable institutions, you talk about like the, these uh, big firms like Kinasanlam and NCFC <laughs> or. I'm actually just going to read you a list of unit trusts in Kenya. The newspaper publishes weekly prices with different unit trusts and whatever rates they're offering. So that could be a good starting point. I could I could mention, uh, maybe I'd actually just mention the top, the, th- the ones that come to mind, the, the largest, um, the Sanlam Money Market Fund. Um, then there's... No bias there. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's, there's CIC, there is uh, Britam, there's UAP, Old Mutual, there's ICA Lion. Um, yeah, so, the, and then there are many more. Uh, yeah. The smaller, smaller ones, the ones that you're saying, uh, someone should. Just be careful. Be careful. Just, just be careful. Okay, okay. Just be careful. I'm not saying that they are all bad. They are not all bad, but just, just be careful as you invest. Cause everyone starts from somewhere, right? Definitely. It's just yeah. that I, I'm not willing. If I'm going to put money in a money market instrument, that is to say I don't want to take on a lot of risk. So I'm also not going to be willing to put a lot of risk in a, in a startup. Ah, yes. Sorts. Definitely. Yeah. So it, it just, it depends on where you're at. If these guys are giving you a really good return and you believe in them and you can afford to lose that money then you can go ahead with it <laughs> but if you're going into money market you're essentially going into a low risk investment so make it even less risky by putting it in a reputable firm ah okay so so now you you've talked about unit unit, unit trusts and uh, I'm, I'm sure the moment you decide to invest uh, th- this for our listeners um you should be able to ask your provider the different options that exist and uh, the risk levels that exist with whichever I would say profile that you want to work with money markets so what other investment I would say plan exists you could go go directly and buy bonds Mm -hmm. yourself so you need trust invests in all these asset classes but the, the difference is that they pull funds from different people then they invest it on your behalf um you could go the way where you do your own personal investments by buying a bond directly from the government or buying a treasury bill or buying stocks in the stock market. But before we get to that, um, there's something that we need to be cognizant of, the risk return uh, slide. So high risk, high return. Um, in the available asset classes, on the very up end where you have high risk and high return, but also possibility, well, when I say high risk, I'm, I'm, I mean there's high uh, possibility of losing your money. Um, it would primarily be on equities or your 
uh, venture well just basically equity investments what do you can mean, give e- you explain now what you mean safaricom by abl where so, you go so to shares, shares uh-huh. sorry uh-huh. shares mm-hmm. where you go to a broker you open an account and then you're able to buy shares and sell them however you choose to do it so you're doing it yourself there's a possibility of you making a lot of money on that but then there's also a possibility of you losing your money so for example if last year you were invested in the stock market our market did negative 8.6 percent that means you lost yeah mm. but so far this year we're already up 21 percent that means if you invested at the beginning of the year you're up 20 percent so there's possibility there's a lot of volatility there's possibility of you gaining a lot high risk i mean high return but then there's possibility of you losing a lot uh this possibility of you gaining a lot and, and this possibility of you losing, losing a lot losing with your, uh, stocks or uh, shares. Uh, and then on this other side of the slide, the lower end, there is um, low risk, low return. Your money market investments, your bonds, basically your fixed income investments where you are, you put in money and then you get interest every so often. And then at the end of the period, you get your principal investment back. So you're not, you're not, taking any risk on your capital investment. If you put in a hundred upon maturity, you should be able to get a hundred, but within that period of investment you are getting regular interest. So you see, like there's very low risk, but then there's also low return. But then the decision that you have to make is is the low return that low? So for example, if a money market investment is giving me 10% and there's possibility of making 20% on equities, but then there's also possibility of losing 10% on equities. Is this money market 10% return very low? Mm, mm. Uh, so that that's a decision so that you personally you have, have to, to make. Now, that's what you were talking about when you said uh, your risk tolerance, yes. so to speak. Yes. And then, uh, so you talk about money markets. Explain what money markets are. To the average illiterate economist. <laughs> economist. <laughs> oh, no. An economist cannot be illiterate. Okay. No, I'm saying to, the, uh, to someone who, when it comes to economics, they, are, they, are, they, are, they don't know what money okay. markets are. Um, again, they are pooled funds where we've pulled money from different people, put them together, and then investment invest them in different asset classes. So, But for money market, it's primarily focused on fixed income investment. That is to say that there's a huge emphasis on protecting your capital. Mm. So your principal investment will be protected because we're primarily investing in assets that are interest yielding assets so so sorry to interrupt you so when you compared that with when you compared that with uh no, so under money market trust. actually so we have regulations that govern money markets or govern such investments in our country so we have like the capital markets authority that has come up with um cis regulations the collective investment scheme regulations and you have to abide by that so they give you how many which asset classes that you can invest in so for money market you can invest in bonds, both government and corporate. You can invest in deposits. Um, the difference between you investing in a deposit and a money market investing in a deposit is basically scale. They, uh, the scale. So they the can put a billion in a deposit and they'll get a good return. You'll put a, a million okay. and you yeah. might not get a good return. So so there's corporate, there's bonds, both government and corporate, then there's deposits. 
Um, and that's basically what can be invested in a money market investment. So when you compare that with unit trust then, uh, so what's the difference? So mm-hmm. a money market is still a unit trust investment. Um, so you have a unit trust investment, you have unit trust, which are basically just pooled, pooled funds. funds. Oh. And then under that you have, you can, it can be a money market unit trust. It can be a fixed income unit trust where it, uh, it majorly invests in fixed income assets, uh, with very low allocation to deposits. Um, and then you can have equity or stock. A unit ah, trust. So, so uh, the, the, and the major on the risk, thing, yeah. Ah, the the biggest, actually, mm. the biggest difference for money markets. Money markets are very comparable to deposits, in that you can get your money in and out as mm, you please. Mm, mm. You can put they in offer money. Liquidity. Yes, they offer liquidity. Um, oh, so, you, so if I invest my money in a market, uh, in money my, market, in money markets. Mm-hmm. So, what you're saying is that. As compared to a circle, for example, mm-hmm. where you have to you to give, you know, this mm-hmm. amazing for 60, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, how are you able to withdraw your money on on yes. demand? Yes, within together, three days. Together, within three days yeah. for most of this, and and when I say within three three days, you can sometimes it's actually the next day. Um, so they offer you liquidity, and because they offer you liquidity, they're also limited in how they invest. Mm. That's why all their investments have to be primarily deposits, uh, corporate bonds, and co- and government bonds um, only. Basically short-term assets. It's so just money a charmer. Except, yeah. uh, except now, you know, most charmers are merry-go-rounds. Yeah. This one's not merry-go-round. This is a charmer where you put money and it is invested. Then you get uh, returns. So it's like a merry-go-round. It's your money? I, I, okay, it's that's our stupid. money we invest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, so, so, so just... To, to kind of demystify a bit more to get uh, a bit better clarity. So money markets, you have uh, just like you would in a circle, um, you invest money, they, they invest the money for you. I think the profit Nagawana with the, with the farm and uh, you're able to withdraw your money whenever you want it. Uh, so that means uh, the, the, the returns also are not very, very high, but they are, they are, first of all, I think the most, the best take I have uh, from this is that you are able to recoup the inflationary value it's, it's higher than inflation mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. essentially you're, you're not losing money exactly you're not losing value you're, you're not losing value mm-hmm, for your money mm-hmm. um and then so now in terms what what would be your opinion when it comes to like uh, you know keeping your money in a circle uh, again it depends on what you want uh, it depends on the your position at that particular time um if i have a lot of money cuz the, the thing that circles do is they give you borrowing power Right, something that a money market investment cannot give you. Again, just to remind you, money market compare is compares well with deposits. So that's the basic. You want to money market investments and deposits are very similar in terms of liquidity, except you just get a higher return. So you're able to get your money in and out as you please. But that's basically it. So instead of keeping your money in an account, yes, where it's you put losing it value, a, yes, put it somewhere at least in a part of interest. Exactly. So it's just basically the same. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But Sasa. Um, circles, it has an advantage. It gives you borrowing power. You put in money and you're able to borrow sometimes even up to five times with different circles. And then you also get some dividend. Very low interest also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you, you get some dividend which 
can be good sometimes sometimes can be bad so there are circles which for example last year paid uh, 4% and there are circles which paid 8% so my circle paid 12 yeah so depending on the type of savings that you have because the oh <laughs> yeah so a circle gives you that borrowing power sometimes can give you a high return but you don't have access to the money the only way you can access your money in a circle is if you close your account and take all your money out and leave the circle and even then you have to give them a period notice most of them it's uh 60 days so just know that when you put your money in a circle you cannot access that money unless you're you're leaving the circle or the only way you access your money is taking a loan from the circle so it gives you that advantage um in that show it gives you borrowing power um but then it doesn't give you liquidity a money market on the other hand gives you liquidity does not give you the borrowing power the thing i'm understanding with these money markets is the fact that we have all these things that you can invest in i can invest in shares i can invest in uh, uh bonds government bonds i can invest in whatever but i uh, money markets makes sure that i don't need to know the technical details of Absolutely. those things yeah. i don't need to take the time to mm-hmm. be watching a screen mm-hmm. somewhere there's a guy mm-hmm. doing that for me but now uh, for those people who who would want to, to do that to do it themselves right for for people who because i'm sure when you do it you, of course the returns might be higher because the uh, the risk is much higher because you don't have technical know how but uh, if it works out the returns will be higher because you're not sharing the profit with some organization so now um what do you think uh, uh, actually we don't share profits you ch- you're charged a percent of your assets that so is if you put profit. in no because we can make a loss and you still pay us oh yeah <laughs> uh-huh. we can remove uh-huh. that but like mm. what i want to say is it's assets management fees investment management fees which are pegged on the assets that we are managing so if you've given us 100 if it the fees vary so it can be 1.2% of the assets or 2% but i think most that the most i've seen in our market is 2% but then when i'm saying when i quote the return of 9 for example most uh money market funds give this as net of fees That means we've already charged our fees but we're still giving you a 9% return. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, let's so now let's go back to someone who wants to do it themselves. But of course, let me mention that even if you want to invest in bonds, you can still get a pooled fund mm. that invests in bonds. Ah. So you can still outsource that function. Uh-huh. Even if you want to invest in shares, you can still get a pooled fund that invests in in shares. in shares. But now your question is on people who want to do it themselves. So first, there's a lot of risk when it comes to someone who wants to invest themselves. You're basically taking on a lot of work because investment ought not to be mindless there has to be research that goes into it you have to look at different companies study the trends study the economy there's a lot of work that comes that goes into making a decision to buy a stock so if you have time and you have the ability to do this then you're welcome to do it um and if you have time to monitor the markets then you you're still welcome to do it and there are people who've done it and they've made a lot of money on it um So the way to go about it is basically just go and open a stock brokerage account. There are many brokers in this country. Um you walk it, go Google 
stock brokers in Kenya you'll get a list um top of my head well i can think of very many kingdom securities equity investment bank um aib uh securities kestrel jengis there are very many stock brokers in this country so you walk in open an account and then you're able to give them instructions and some of these brokers actually allow you or give you a platform where you can do the trades yourself so some of them you have to give them instruction via email and tell them please sell 100,000 safaricom shares from my account and then they'll do that others will give you access to an online portal where you're able to do it yourself and even monitor the the prices of their stocks etc so you can do it yourself so but but now the risk is much higher because you can get the same uh, I would say advantage the same same utility of selling shares and buying shares without having to sit down behind a screen and 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 you know scratch your head uh you can outsource that function mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. yeah and 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 we ought not to underestimate the amount of work that goes into making investment decisions mm-hmm. there's a lot of work that goes into you you have to study the economy you have mm-hmm. to study this company you have to study the management of the this company also. you have to yeah there's a lot that mm-hmm. goes into making this de- decisions and mm-hmm. there are people who this is their day job mm-hmm. so you if you're an engineer mm-hmm. um you're saying you'll go to the office, come back home at, by eight, mm. and then between eight and eleven, you will sit down and study. <laughs> first of all, before you make an investment decision, mm. and then tomorrow you wake up at six, and then do a trade. It's just it it makes it a lot harder. But for people who have time, this is something that they can learn and possibly do. Yeah. Plus the markets close at what? Three. Yeah. Open at nine and close at three. So you during your day job, maybe at lunchtime, <laughs> find some time and go sell some safari gum. I'm just saying it, yeah. it's much harder. Yeah. It, it, it's much harder. So one would uh, rather outsource that function to. So explain to me. I have some friends who had asked me how bonds work, what bonds are, that category of buying government and corporate bonds and and and, and bonds and is bonds, bonds and bills and bills. Mm. Explain to us what those are and the differences between them mm. and probably the risk profile and the return, the possible okay. returns and yeah, and the period of times that are required. Yeah. So the major difference between a treasury bond and a treasury bill is just the tenor or the time to maturity. Treasury bills mature uh, within a year and then bonds is anything above that, anything above a year. Um at issuance at issuance because you can have a bond that's maturing in six months but it was issued a long time ago so at issuance treasury bills have a maximum of one year to maturity and then treasury bonds have longer than one year to 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 mature within treasury bills you have three different types of papers you have a one-year paper 182 day paper and a 91 day paper um those are treasury bill papers for government bonds um then you have over one year we're talking one year two years all the way i think the longest we have now is a 25 year basically longer than all the way to 20 years uh 25 30 years even uh can be issued so that's the major difference between treasury bills and treasury bonds and of course because of the time to maturity then there's also a difference in terms of the yield a treasury bill right now is yielding 7.4%. Um, that's a one-year paper. 
Now, of course, the 182 days yielding less, maybe about 7.2%, and then uh, 91 days yielding less than that. But a government bond, which is longer than one year, will give you a higher return, higher than the uh, bill, which is giving you a 7.4% return. The way to invest in, in a government bond or a government um treasury bill there's minimum investment amount of 50,000 and the way to do it is just go open an account with CBK and then you should be able to start buying and selling treasury uh, bills and bonds how um, about can you mention the M um, um, there was a there was a mobile product for buying bonds um, bills but i think its lower li- its limit was 2000 yeah, yeah, yeah. You could invest as low as two thousand. Yeah, Emma Kiba. Emma Kiba. Yeah, I think it was as low as three thousand bob when it was first launched, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, now on to corporate bonds. Corporate bonds. Oh yeah, yes. it was the corporate bond paper. Oh wait, but we haven't talked about the Emma Kiba, which basically so there's minimum amounts that you can. There's a minimum requirement of fifty thousand, for example, for a treasury bill. Um, but then for Emma Kiba, which is a bond that was issued by the government through M-Pesa yes. mobile. Yes. Yeah. That allowed people to put in money as little as 3000 bob uh, Kenya shillings and it would give you a return of up to 10%, um, which was a, a really good investment. The other thing I want to mention, which is a huge, before we get to corporate bonds, which is a huge limitation is liquidity. So a treasury bill will give you, so, so government securities are considered very low risk. Riskless the government even. there is some risk but it's 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 low, right? So the government will pay its will will meet its obligations. We haven't had a time in our country where the government failed to honor its obligations. So government securities are considered relatively less they 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 are considered low risk investments um and of course if you can remember low risk low return comparative to other asset classes um that's an advantage uh, when it comes to government papers but there's a huge limiting factor when it comes to liquidity when you buy a government paper you might not be able to sell it or get out of it when you need the money as fast as you might be able to get a money market investment you get like a money market investment allows you in and out however you want a government paper you might not be able to sell it uh, when you need the money unless you have a significant amount so there's a limitation that comes with the amount of money that you've invested the liquidity is um limited uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the entire market's liquidity is limited our market is very liquid so you will be limited depending on the amount of money you have invested so if you have uh a hundred thousand just know you will hold that a hundred thousand until that paper matures after 20 years and you'll be getting your regular interest income but if you have a hundred million then you can easily get in and out as you want uh, because there's also another way of making money with government bonds. One, you get interest. And then number two, you can also make some capital gains depending on how interest rates behave. The value of a bond is inversely related to the interest Interest rates. So if interest rates go up, it means the bond value will go down. 
if interest rates go down then the bond value will go up so if you're holding a bond then interest rates fall then now the value of your bond is higher then it's possible for you to sell that bond lock in on your capital gains and even maybe hold out or invest in something else or wait for interest rates to go back up and then reinvest so it's possible for you to make money out of trading in government securities but the catch here is you have to have a significant amount of money so see 20k 30k 50k 30k maybe in my opinion maybe at least 5 million Uh, anything less than that you will struggle to make any profits anything less than that will mean you will be selling at a discount to the market because um we have something called odd lots odd lots means anything less than 100 million 100 million will get you the yield that is prevailing anything less than 100 million any buyer will knock you off atakwambia i'll only pay less than what the market is currently bidding for this because you're giving me less than 100 yes yes and, and, and the fact that you are floating them that means you kind of desperate or something like that or you want to make or you want to it depends mm. if interest rates have gone down and you've made some good money then you can sell that paper right but again remember you have to have a significant amount for you to get a reasonable return so the common theme here is uh small players should focus more on uh, stability 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 of returns um, as compared to yes fixed fixed income fixed return yeah. assets yeah i i would yeah or to put it in a different way if small players should focus on should not try to make money out of trading yeah it will be difficult yeah small players ought to just put their money and get a regular return if you're doing fixed income investments don't expect to make any capital gains or losses if you don't have um huge amounts of money because you might not be able to sell it i, I saw something some of the interest rates one of the reasons why um governments have been very very careless with borrowing is because the interest rates for some unexplained reason have been going down and down over time Uh, why is that do you think the reason at least i can talk about um kenya because different countries have different things going on so it's not a it's not a general theme in different in in every um country generally in developed economies we have low interest rates uh for governments but in our economy um kenya is a frontier economy mm-hmm. what's uh, a frontier economy it just means the level of development so developed markets have it 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 it, it means um the level of of your economy the growth of your economy as well as the risks that people attach to investing in your economy so for example kenya is considered very risky compared to investing in the us for a us investor for them investing at home is low risk compared to here where there are different kinds of risk political risk um currency risk um yeah so just it's it's a relatively high risk economy compared to developed countries mm, okay yeah. Hmm. So it all so, depends on 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 Yeah, so different countries have different um interest environment, but maybe let's be specific to Kenya. Um interest rates in our country started declining when we had the interest rate uh cap law coming into effect. 
when that happened, if you remember, the government put a cap on the interest rate that banks could lend to the private sector. So initially, banks could give you money at 18, 19%. But then the government said you can only uh, give money out to the private sector at a maximum of 4% plus the CBR rate, which at that time I think was coming to 13%. Yeah, so that when you add 4%, you come to 13.5. Um, so when that happened, many banks then preferred to give money to the government because you would give money to Kabingu, for example. Kabingu has a business. That business is high risk. I don't know if Kabingu will make money or not. He won't. Kabingu, <laughs> <make> this guy. <laughs> yeah, so... Gov- uh, banks then prefer to instead of giving Kabingu money, we'll give the money to the government. The government is borrowing every week um, through treasury bills and every month through treasury bonds. So instead of giving Kabingu money at 13%, I'll give it to the government at 10, 11, 12%. Um, and so when we have a lot of money chasing the same securities, the interest rate on that security goes low. Because oh, it means all supply. of exactly mm. it's a demand it's a function of demand and supply. So mm. there's a lot of demand for government securities mm. because now banks are not giving to the private sector. Mm. Oh, okay. And that has crowding played out. the crowding out effect. Yeah, mm. yeah. And and that has and that has has um and that was a major contributor. That was the major reason why we saw interest rates decline. Um and we've seen it sustained or or the decline, we've seen that sustained over the last uh two two years, even after this law was repealed, because the law was repealed in twenty nineteen and it was uh, so banks were now free to charge whatever, whatever they could. Yeah. But they really were not, um, because there's a lot of um work that goes into pricing alone and then CBK has to approve it and CBK has not uh, been proactive in doing that and then the other thing is the government is taking money at very attractive rates anyway so I'm still just going to give the government my money even even with the low interest on the on the on the bonds. on the government uh-huh. but you see it's not low interest it's not low it's it's 10% 11 12%. Whereas I was giving to Kabingu at 13%. Mm-hmm. Kabingu is very risky. Yes. Very risky. Goodness. And when I give money to Kabingu, I, I need to see. set aside. There's a capital, uh, th- there's provisioning that I need to do based on the risk um, of Kabingu. So government is low risk. That means the capital that I'm setting aside is not a lot. So when you do that math, then you realize it's cheaper for me to just give the money to the government. So, so Kamboka, in summary, so, um, so for, for someone with a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand, what would you advise them from a hundred thousand? Even two thousand, yeah. yeah. um, because the money market allows you to invest as little as two thousand five hundred. So I think my, my parting shot is this. Don't put your money in a savings account. If you are saving money, put it somewhere where you will earn a higher return, higher than inflation, because in that way you preserve the value of your money and you also get some uh, additional return. So don't put your money in a savings account, put your money in a money market um, fund and there are many available money market investments. And then the other thing I want to say is that there are different uh, money, I mean there are different uh, funds that you can invest in if you if you have a tolerance for high risk you can put it in a 
an equity unit trust fund if you have money that you just want to lock away for a longer period of fund of, of time you can put in a uh, fixed income unit trust fund and then if you have money that you want to access the liquidity often then you can just put in a money market fund that will still give you a high return and currently we have good uh, money market service fund providers giving a return of between 9% to 10%. That's number one. And then also, if you have, um, again, I'm a huge proponent of outsourcing. If you do not have the time to stare at a screen every day uh, for long periods of time, if you don't have the time to, to, to do fundamental research on companies, etc., etc., then outsource these services and put it with an investment management company. However, if you have the time to do it yourself and you have the ability to understand um, a lot of the work that goes into making an investment decision, then you can also do it yourself by opening a stock brokerage account. If you're doing shares, you can do it yourself by opening uh, an account with the central bank if you want to do bonds. Um, and you can also do it yourself if you want to do a corporate paper or a corporate um, bond. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think... For me, I have... Sorry? Oh, wait. One more thing. Mm -hmm. Money market funds or whatever pooled uh, fund that you want to invest in allows you to top up. Mm. So it it can be your savings plan, literally. Mm. Mm. You can Mm. be putting in 2,500 every month Mm. um, for whatever period of time that you want to do it. And also for liquidity Mm. withdrawals. Yeah, the fact that you're able to, the fact that you're able to access the money just as you would in your account, only that this time now at least it's not, you know, draining into the drainage system. What? <laughs> <laughs> and, and one you're more not thing. missing out on, yeah, on high yeah. interest. Yeah. yeah, and I know like it can be very daunting for you to decide where do I put money first. Uh, maybe I could mention this. What I've seen work for a lot of people is, um packing up uh, cash or saving up money, beginning with a money market investment so that you set up an emergency fund or just uh, a fund that can allow you to meet your expenses if you were to lose your job, for example, or if you were to get sick or whatever. So you, that's where to start. Start saving up and start putting. Start by putting that money in a vehicle that will give you a good return. And then once you've reached a certain amount where you feel, I have set aside an emergency fund, depending on my expenses, then you can start branching out to higher risky assets. So if you if your monthly expenses for the next six months, for example, comes up to 200000 and you've put that aside, then you can afford to say anything above that, I'm going to put it in shares, I'll put it in a bond, I'll put it in a corporate paper, etc. etc. Oh, oh, actually, I think this episode has been very, I think, educational to me. I think for the first time I've been able to understand the money markets and everything and the fact that um, the fact that I do not have to you know, I can get the same utility by having someone else do it. Someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, we are not living in the, in, in the 200 BC <laughs> where you cook your own food to, to eat it. You know, and so, so I think, um, I think it's been a very useful, um, to this episode. So now the next one, the next episode, I think we're going to be discussing a bit of, uh, the nerdy stuff, the nerdy side of, of investment. So uh, stay around for that. Oh, I needed to make a disclaimer. 
um, as part of the episode, Make maybe at, at the end, mm-hmm. m- the opinions expressed are my personal <laughs> opinions and not necessarily yeah. the opinions of my employer. But it's so, like, we could spend a lot of time talking about Yes, I've actually enjoyed it because at least um, I, I, I had opened a money markets account. I deposited for three months and then I'm like, you know what, like, the, when the statement, when you see the, like, send you a, a monthly statement and this, you know, you're about 200. Mm. I'm like, No. No. You can make it. I was saving 10k, 10k, 10k. That's a lot. Yes, that's why I decided to, 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 to stop. <laughs> no, but you and have then to. to stop completely. But Moretti, remember, remember that's money. Yeah. So remember it's 9% for a year. So it's nine percent times thirty over three hundred and sixty-five for that month. You understand? So it has to be. When I say, <laughs> I'll give you. Let's let's use a hundred. Um, so ten percent of a hundred is ten. That means for a whole year you'll be earning ten, but for the month it'll be ten divided by twelve, because now you have to. You have to factor yes, in. Yeah, uh-uh. yeah. Remember again, you remember when we started talking, we talked about making a disclaimer. This is not an investment in cows or chicken. <laughs> or you and can some of these investments mm. can allow you to multiply times three, times four, times five. This is not it. And also, the risk that you're taking here is very little. Yeah, chicken, you can lose all of that in a day. For money market, your capital is protected, mm, okay. more or less. Okay. Uh, good. Um, so I also need to do a disclaimer. The opinions that I really have expressed are my own and not necessarily of my employer. Also, me, I work for I work for a beverage company. So the opinions expressed in this episode are most definitely one hundred percent not. <laughs>